0: This is Big Skinny. Thank you so much for listening in today to The Podstack Presents Casual Conversations with Big Skinny. Over the last few weeks, we've had the opportunity to sit down and talk to some really great and interesting people, actors, podcast producers, screenwriters, musicians. It's been a great time. One of my favorite conversations thus far has been With a lady you might know from the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. She played Lucy, Miss Diane Steinberg. Now, many might not know that she was a singer back in the day as well. Has some albums out. You might want to get online and find those. Has a very great voice.
1: You're my sunny one Life can be
0: rough And yet be so right Unlike ships that pass in the night You're the permanent one but This lady is a very, very funny individual and I, I promise you, you're going to enjoy our conversation with her but uh, one of the nuggets I got out of this was Her encounter with the lead singer from Journey, Steve Perry, before he was the lead singer. In fact, this story that we're going to tell might have changed the course of his career. You have to be the the, the, you have to decide that for yourself. But uh, anyway, sit back and enjoy the Shack presents Casual Conversations with Miss Diane Steinberg. Part one. It's all coming your way next on the Shack presents Casual Conversations with Big Skinny. This is Big Skinny. Hope you're doing well today, wherever you happen to be. And uh, I want to take a few minutes today just to tell you about our brand spanking new video podcast. The Shack presents Casual Conversations with Big Skinny. And uh, what I'd like to tell you is, you know, it's not going to be your everyday uh, interview with an artist uh, such as a musician or a famous singer, songwriter or an actor, actress, that kind of thing. What we'd like to do is get to know these people as, as people, you know, something outside of their career. So that's what casual conversations is all about. You know, if all we ever did was talk about our career, every time we talk to somebody, to sit down and talk to somebody, start talking about your job, it would get kind of boring real quick. So, you know, there's so much more to these people that we'd like to find out about. Maybe old so-and-so's a tomato farmer or or he likes to go fishing on the weekends. I mean, when he's not out doing his thing. But you know, there's so much more to these people than just their job, and that's what we're gonna do here at Casual Conversations. We're gonna talk to them, get to know them as a as a person. You know, if you want to find out how oh so-and-so put this album together I'm sure there's a thousand people that he's interviewed with uh, over on YouTube uh, that could tell you uh, you know that give you that answer and uh, we want to do more than that we want to get to know these people as, as real human beings you know everybody is the same in the end they put their pants on one leg at a time just like you and I do you know they have to shop to buy groceries they have to do things that everyday people do so why not get to know them as a person So make sure you join us. We're putting out new content all the time. And next, PodShack Presents Casual Conversations with Big big Skinny. So make sure you like and subscribe to our channel so you can be alerted every time we drop a new video. And I promise you, we got some great interviews coming up in the future that you're not going to want to miss. For God's sake, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you. Have a good one. All right, casual conversations. That's the podcast presents Casual Conversations with Big Skinny. And today, today we have special guest star, Miss Diane Steinberg Lewis. Hey, Big Skinny. You might you might know her from her her part that she played in Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band as Lucy, hence the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And, but she was also a recording artist back in the day and very heavily involved in music. And I think she still is to some degree. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like I started before I had my first record, I went to school to get my degree. You know, I thought it out. I said, I'm going to do showbiz, but I'm going to get my degree. Got to have that fall back on. And so I, I got a degree in public school music. Is everything okay? Are we, you seeing me okay?
0: Yes, ma'am. I can see you great.
1: Okay. All right, I'm going to keep on going. So I was, uh, I got a Bachelor of Music in Public School Music, K through 12. But my emphasis was high school. So I taught in Battle Creek Central High School. We had performance groups there. I mean, I think I was only like 21 years old, you know? So I wasn't that much older than the kids who are now all grown and we're all friends all these years later. (laughs) They got grandkids, I don't have any yet, but anyway. So, uh, so I started doing that, and I was always performing on the weekends, and uh, at a place in Kalamazoo, Michigan called the Whistle Stop. Now, I'm f- I'm from Detroit. Originally, I'm from Memphis, but we moved to Detroit in about '63 because my mother was also in radio, and uh, she got a big gig there, and so everything changed for us. You know, from the South to the North, and then I went further up north to Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I I like it because, you know, Kalamazoo still sounds kind of country, you know, but uh, (laughs) but uh, went up there and got my degree, uh, taught high school in Battle Creek, Michigan. And uh, while I was there, you know, my mom always knew that I wanted to you know, do professional performing because I was I was always doing it on the weekends. Uh, played at a place uh, a railroad car called the Whistle Stop, and and um, and got to uh, uh, that was my that was my first thing. I my freshman year I was in school. Second year I saw a girl, and you know I don't know why I can't remember her name right now. I have remembered her name. Okay, it's coming. Marsha uh, Marsha G. Marcia G. And she was playing the guitar because, you know, every dorm had a, a, a front park where everybody would hang out, you know, and they had a piano. So I would play piano, but I heard her playing Puff Magic Dragon, you know, and I went, what What are you learning that for? And she went, I got a gig at the Whistle Stop, and I was so happy to find out that there was actually a place that, uh, <laughs> excuse me, actually a place That paid $5 an hour. And, uh, you know, those were the days when everybody was smoking cigarettes. So, you know, I figured I had bummed so many cigarettes and and owed so many people a pack of cigarettes that I hate telling you about that part, but but I would get a chance to pay them back. And uh, uh, I started working down there, got my hands in it, and my God! I when she told me she was making that money for Puff the Magic Dragon, I went home and I I said, "Give me all of, give me all of my songbooks, all of my Barbra Streisand, all of my Memphis stuff," and, and uh, got into it, got into it. And uh, then uh, after about two and a half years of teaching, and we took the choir to um, Romania for three weeks. Uh, a Reader's Digest sponsored this. Uh, this tour, and uh, I got a chance to work with Giff Richards. His name was Pops, Pops Richards, and um, uh, and he was very good friends with Norman Luboff, the Norman Luboff singers. And um, uh, so I got a chance to learn some very, very uh, spectacular uh, techniques and and disciplines from him, but. About 1972, three, I decided that it was time for me to, you know, go home and uh, try my hand at a professional, uh, just to give it a try, you know. And so uh, my mom said, well, let's, uh, let's uh, hook you up. And I'm telling everybody they're going to have to tell me the truth if you have anything to offer or not. <laughs> and uh so we went to philadelphia we went to new york saw clive davis uh, uh saw huff and gamble saw we saw oh, everybody oh. you know who huff and gamble is that's oh, the yeah. Only, oh yeah that's the philadelphia sound so uh 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 because we didn't know what category to put me in because i loved um I love Minnie Riperton. I love Barbara Streisand. I loved uh, Roberta Flack, Melissa Manchester. Um, I wasn't so much a folky, but I mean, I got Stacks from Memphis because my my uncle was in Booker T and EMGs. So Stacks was, uh, you know, the sound. And, uh, and the mom was in radio. And then when I got to Detroit, I got Motown. So all of those things kind of, played into my style and so we had to just kind of figure, well, where are we going with this? And, um, they said, yeah, we think she's got something. When I got to Atlantic, LeBaron Taylor, LeBaron Taylor was a uh, vice president of uh, Atlantic records. And, uh, he said, and he used to work with my mom at WCHB in Inkster. And he said, okay, queen, come on over here and we'll tell her if she's got, if she's worth her salt with anything. And, um, and they deemed that I was, and we had my first album. Didn't have any big hits on it, but <laughs> we got started.
0: That's okay. That's okay. You got a yeah. chance to get started. I mean, a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people didn't even have that opportunity, so that's great.
1: Oh yeah, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm glad that, uh, you know, if you're in Memphis, and I don't know if it's like this in Texas, but if you're in Memphis or even Detroit and uh you get up there and sing and perform and they give you a very polite hand clap you know what that means that means they're just doing their duty but you
0: you ain't no good get off the stage
1: <laughs> but uh i got a real good reception and that gave me a lot of confidence to awesome. to pick up and decide whether i was going to go to california or go to new york and i figured i'd go to california because if i had to starve and freeze to death i i could at least go out to the beach and live in my car <laughs> so,
0: you, so, you, so you got your first record deal with atlantic uh yeah. how many how many records did, were you obligated to produce just the one or was there more well, than
1: that yeah you know just the one and, and then they see where that's going to go and uh then uh when we were when i was trying to figure out who's going to be my agent um and i started hearing like Chicago and I met uh, average white band because they were also with Atlantic. I was doing a photo shoot. and They said, Hey, you know, I'll come over here and meet the guys, you know, second time I met them was back backstage when they did a concert here in, um, in, in Los Angeles. And uh, that's when I met Cher and her mother and her sister. Cause they were, they were avid followers of average white band. And then the next time I saw Seamus was, uh, 1993, Seamus was the bass player for them. I was uh, at 1993 Earth Day that Paul McCartney put out at the Hollywood Bowl, and uh, and after all those years, he recognized me. You know, you know, you change a little bit after a movie and kids and you know.
0: That's that's okay. Everybody, everybody, it's it's part of life is getting older, but you're still a very pretty woman, and uh, I, you know. um, Thank you, Dad. Every, everybody everybody gets older I, I mean i look at my pictures from back when i was you know uh you know 18 19 years old and you know the the difference is not in day but that's okay it's just part of life <laughs> it's just part of life got to got to roll with it
1: sometimes i feel i have to preface that because you know it's really weird. You know how Facebook is. People will call and they go, "Hi, you're pretty." Hello, and then I look them up and I don't see that they're sending me pictures of them, and they all look like they're in their I don't know forties or something. <laughs> Delete. I, I mean, I push it immediately because I ain't uh, on the market, guys.
0: We're done. <laughs> I tell you what's what's funny is I weighed about 110 pounds my senior year in high school. So
1: what? Is that why
0: they call you big skinny? No, that was my radio name. But, uh, so I probably weighed about 110 to 120 pounds in high school. So we had our first high school reunion. I think it was like 15, 20 years after we decided to have a high school reunion. And and I'm walking up to people that I I'd knew for 12 years, went to school with them, <laughs> introducing myself. And they're like, who are you? And I tell them they're like, no way that's not you. <laughs> oh, that was kind of crazy.
1: Well, um, All of our friends, you know, and a lot of the girls I graduated with in college, they've all let their hair go naturally gray. And I kept this long hair all the time, you know. Finally, um, 19, I am a breast cancer survivor. And so in uh, 2017, I uh, finished up everything. We got it early. Everything's fine. But uh, I decided, well, let's kind of let this, uh, I didn't lose my hair. I did those cold caps. If anybody wants to know about it, I shall tell you all about it. But I did the cold caps and I lost some, but it was, my hair just got thin and I went, you know what, let's be adventuresome. I've had this long hair all my life. So uh, uh, in fact, Will Smith's daughter had a a song out called I Am Not My Hair. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I figured, yeah, let's see, let's see where it's at for me. And uh, so they shaved it off on the sides and gave me a little baby mohawk and we went purple then after that we went blurple and put the blue in it then we put the teal in it and i and and it was fun i and then my hair was short so uh that was that was a revelation you know i mean it's like yeah, you know, they say you're supposed to cut your hair after a certain age at Bull Twinkie. You don't have to cut your hair. But if you want to, you know, mm-hmm. just know it'll all grow back, baby. Just But give yourself a chance. Try some different looks. And so, Kenny said, I saw Michelle Finney and she was seeing all these other glorious women with their long gray manes. And he said, I really like that. I went, so now I got to put gray in my hair, right? <laughs> and so I started. So here you got it.
0: Nothing wrong with little. Nothing. Nothing wrong with little gray hair, as you can tell. I'm I'm with the light I'm, on that. Okay. I've kind of got the gray hair thing going myself. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. You look cute, big beard. That's uh. You know, my it's over the pandemic. I've decided to grow a beard. Now I've never. I've always had a little bit of facial hair, but never a beard. And then I started growing it, and my wife really liked it. And so. She said, I like that. You're going to have to keep it. So, you know, once a woman's kind of locked in on something, it's kind of, you know, okay, we're, we're, it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere.
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of like Kenny's too. He went he went with a two-tone, so he just looks like a little baby billy goat. That's all right. It's my uh-huh. billy goat.
0: <laughs> all right, so I got a story I heard Mr. Kenny Lewis tell about your, he, you know, he was getting a band together for your second album your, yeah. uh, with ABC. Is that yeah. right, ABC? Yeah. And he was putting a little band together, and that was about the time that you were fixing to get the part for, or actually, you'd gotten the part for Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So he effectively had to go in and say, "Okay, guys, this is not going to happen right now. We're going to have to, you know, put it on hiatus or whatever." But the the backup singer for you at the time was Steve Perry, which would later become Journey's frontman.
1: Well, he was getting ready to be our background singer. And so I just knew that uh, we had sent out the word that we needed it. So Kenny went out and uh, talked to him because we went we went to a rehearsal place. And I mean I, I mean, excuse me, I, I remember who was at that rehearsal, but we said, we need background singers. And they said, well, Steve Perry lives down a few, you know, apartments. And so Kenny disappeared and went down there and talked to him. And I had no idea, you know, I, I just said, okay, I guess if he's a good singer, that that's gonna be great. Well then, um, yeah, uh we had to put it on hold because I I, I had to go in the hospital for a minute and then um then we came out and figured out uh uh that the record they they they, they held the, the release of the album for a minute because uh I had gone in the hospital and then while I was in the hospital, uh uh, they asked if I would open for Gino Vanelli and then the other one came for George Benson. And I was so excited, you know, and uh, then, then we came, then once it was out, you know, and we had to call everything out because of th- those two things, uh, Steve Perry was gone already. Kenny said he went back to do something at a chicken ranch or something like that. I, I don't know, but uh, when he told me, yeah, I called Steve Perry. I said, Steve Perry was supposed to be my background singer. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I All like all-time
0: that. All-time favorite singer, Steve Perry. Oh, I love
1: him. Well, he kind of reminds me of uh, Sam Cooke and some oh. of his vocal inflections. Very soulful. He turns at the end of a phrase, and I go, That's "Sam Cooke, man." If I mean, if I do get a chance to talk to him, I'm gonna, I'm gonna explore that with him. <laughs> <So> <laughs> tell, yeah, you know, stuff.
0: But anyway, so tell us a little bit about your, your, uh, getting the part of Lucy and how that came about.
1: Wow. Ooh. Okay. Um, I just finished the album. Well, yeah, I just finished the album and I went to, um, um, I went to ABC records to see Otis Smith. He was vice president and uh, a guy by the name of Charlie minor was a A A&R guy. So, um, uh, they said, okay, the record's finished. We're going to figure out what we're going to do. They recommended what manager I should get, and, you know, we're ready to roll. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Charlie Miner came in and said, um, I just got a call. They're looking for uh, somebody to play the role of um, Lucy and the Sky with Diamonds in this movie. And, um, and so Otis said, well, he said, Would you be interested in it? And I said, I don't know. I don't know that I want to. I don't really want to be with a. a uh, I don't want to do anything with a bunch of rockers that don't know how to act because then I know what's going to happen to that film. It's going to. So, uh, listen, I didn't have a bad attitude. I just had an opinion about how I thought it should go. And so, um, so I, when I said, Yeah, I, I. As a matter of fact, yeah I, I think that would be very nice and so he came in, he uh, charlie minor said come into my office and uh he opened up the the inside of my album which should have been on the cover of the album uh it was a picture taken by buddy rosenberg uh and everybody went to that guy he was great and um so uh charlie minor said okay, just stand here for a minute, I, I stood in the doorway, and he opened it up, and he, he kind of went back in his chair, got on the telephone, and he said, yeah, you still looking for Lucy? He said, uh, I'm looking at her right now, so he was looking at the album cover, you know, and so I said, now I got to go tell this, this manager. I, I had a, Dick Broder was my manager. He was also managing uh, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis and uh, a few other people, but Billy and Marilyn Billy had a show. It was after this Top 10. You're probably too young to to remember that. But um uh, uh they had this show. It was after Solid Gold when they started having dancers, you know. I, I remember
0: this I remember that show. You do? Yes ma'am.
1: I mean, it was pretty good, and all of a sudden, it was like, you know, blah. And um, um, so Billy Davis and Marilyn McCoo were kind of like the heir apparent to the Sonny and Cher show. So they, they, you know, they were the number one artist. And so I went to my manager, I said, you know, you knew about this movie, and you didn't tell me anything about it. He said, well, you said you didn't want to do anything. What I, I, well, I said, that's because the last time you came to me, it was you wanted me to do some children's show and I've already been a teacher and I just really want to get on to the, you know, I mean, I was used to seeing, um, my goodness, uh, Cheetah Rivera and Barbara Streisand and everyone with the, you know, with all the beautiful stuff on stage. I was impressed with that. Or even Diana Ross and the Supremes, you know, and uh, I didn't, I didn't know he was talking about Sesame Street, but you know, there you go. Uh but anyway, as the fates would have it, um uh he said, Okay, let me set up the um let me set up the, the interview because the casting director, I went to school with the casting director and I'm going hot diggity dog, you know, let me this is great. You know? And so they told me what the part was about. And, and, uh, Lucy in the sky with diamonds was the song I was going to audition with. And, and Ken, we had a friend that was in a, um, in a Beatles sound alike band back then, uh, called rain. And so, uh, and I can't remember the guy's name. If Kenny was in here right now. I I'd give him a little spotlight right now, but, uh, uh, he sent over the arrangements and everything and the lyrics and, you know, and I remember I remember going over the lyrics. We were on um, I lived on Beachwood Drive. You know where the Hollywood sign is you see in all the movies? And oh, yeah. OK. The street that's right below that is. Beachwood Drive. Uh, and uh, in fact, one of the guys that was in the the series, uh, Friends uh Tony um uh, who was who was in friends i forgot Tony uh oh Fooey. anyway he had his own series after that and they used the apartment 2232 north beachwood drive you can actually look it up on on uh face i'm not facebook but you know any real estate because my sister just sent me a picture of it and the very apartment that i lived in oh wow <laughs> From 74 to 81, the the apartment that uh I was living in when I was doing the movie, they're renting it out. I paid two two I paid two twenty two two ten, then it went to two twenty five, then it went to two thirty-five, and now it's like twenty five hundred dollars a month. Oh, but wow. they but they renovated it and it, it still looks pretty good. I was kind of thinking about maybe I should downsize and get back over there. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but but uh, uh, if you want to get that apartment, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I for, think it's still up for, there. For the a table.
0: slim $2,500 a month, it can be yours.
1: Oh, shoot. But, I'll but, you. but wait, there's more. What? Yeah, because it has its own uh, patio balcony and you can go out there. If you got some cats, you can put those suckers out there with those, you know, those
0: uh, cat boxes. <laughs> That's what you want running around Hollywood, a bunch of cat, crazy cat yeah. people.
1: And when you go out, you're looking at Capitol Records and all of Hollywood. So I would go out there and meditate and say one day you're going to know my name. Look, you got to have positive thinking, okay? Right. I'm not being arrogant. I'm not being anything other than you got to state it and then claim yeah. it. So Yeah, a,
0: c- a couple of weeks ago you didn't know my name. Look at it now. Look at this now. Big scanning. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I see you got a uh, Kenny,
1: K-E-N-N-Y was Kenny. You got K-E-N-N-E-Y. That's
0: right. It's it's, it's abnormal, but uh, it's easier to find.
1: Well, here's another. Look, we we got some long names up here. I got Diane. Now, I want everybody to know, I always wrote my name Diane with two N's, and uh, then, uh, my birth certificate said one. I don't know. I got through college and everything. Always doing it with two ends. I got my diploma, but uh, for Sergeant Pepper, it was Diane Steinberg. So I d- usually do it with one end, but you can find me under Diane with one end Steinberg Lewis or Diane Steinberg, just to clear that up.
0: Well, let me let me tell you this before before we, I, I I lose this train of thought here because you know the older you get, your thought your thoughts just go pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I know. I've gone all off off the track here. All right,
0: but, go on. But, my, but my older brother was like the biggest Bee Gees fan. I think there ever was. Now I just saw a video of you here recently where you were doing an interview with this guy that was totally geeked out on the, on the Bee Gees. Yeah. David uh, I mean, but I mean, that's great. But my brother, he was, he was a big fan. In fact, to this day, it, cause my brother, I lost my brother back in 84. But to this day, I have a ringtone of too much heaven by the Bee Gees on my phone. Just for that, that reason my brother it's a tribute to my brother
1: very nice
0: so what was it like working with these guys day in and day out and is it someone that you still keep in contact with or anybody you keep in contact with from the cast you
1: know well you know peter frampton opened opened up for steve miller so you know i i saw him all the time you know i mean three years in a row i saw peter on the road. So, uh, but, uh, we don't call each up and say, Hey, you know, uh, in the meantime, before Donald Pleasance passed, uh, I used to talk to him and if he'd come in town, go over there and drop over and say hello. And, you know, and he was a great inspiration to me on Sergeant Pepper. He, he ended up being a mentor. Uh, in fact, you know, David Fedor's um, interview a guy from UK who's going to be writing uh, a book about Donald Pleasance uh, and and is interviewing uh, Leslie M. Warren and F. Murray Abraham, and he wants to interview me for it. And I'm very honored to do that because Donald, he was just there every day. I mean, he might've had that little accent, you know, but (laughs) hey, Big Skinny, he could have hung out Texas. In fact, let me tell you something. You know, I, I, I kind of figured once I started talking to you, I'd really get into my Southern thing here, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) I know Texas is not the South, but I just, if I hear any, any little bit of Going that way, I'm going to go with you. But when we did Sergeant Pepper, and, you know, there was no dialogue on the movie, but uh, I never forget the part when he goes, I want you. I want you so bad, you know. And he says, I didn't know, he says, I, I should have thought about it. I don't know why I did it with an English accent. He said, I should have done it with like a New Yorker or something, you know. And and F. Mur- Murray Abraham says that he is like, uh, in doing master classes, he could do any accent, you know. I that's think amazing. I can do like a, a Memphis accent. And maybe if I hang out with y'all, I can do a Texas accent, that's
0: it. <laughs> well you know we me and my wife here I got a buddy of mine who lives in Memphis he, he's yeah. lived there he's lived there for many many years so anytime we go up east anytime we head east we try to make a trip up to to Memphis to hang out so he'll usually take us downtown to catch out some blues shows and take us for barbecue that kind of stuff but it was, it was really a treat to Bill Street Bill Street was like the the bomb I mean, it was it was so much fun and some of the restaurants I can't remember right offhand the name of the restaurants because we we made two me, We had a sister at the time that lived in Ohio, so on the way up there, we stopped and he visited with him. He took us to one place to eat barbecue and, and go visit some blues bars. On the way back, he took us to a different place that was a blues bar that served barbecue. So I mean, it was kind of t- it was really it was a lot of fun. But uh, I, I will say, um, the barbecue from Texas and Memphis is totally different, but they're both equally great in their own right.
1: I mean, it's all in the it's all in the sauce and a special touch
0: (laughs) well i will tell you i will tell you this being from texas now and i'm not i'm not downgrading memphis barbecue because i love it but texas barbecue it is one of those barbecues that you don't even have to have a sauce for it if you can eat it without sauce that's when you know it's good barbecue
1: so you must have a rub or something
0: on there we put rub on it but we don't put we don't have to put sauce on it i mean we a lot of people do but if you can eat it without the sauce that's when you know you got some good barbecue because you got to taste that smoke
1: well, you've got a taste of smoke, but now let's talk about the sauce for a minute, and then we'll get back to how I got Sartre. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, um, I don't like it if it's too sugary. Yep. You might as well have ketchup with a little something in it. But I like it with that little touch of vinegar, you know. Well, anyway, we used oh, to I, make our was- homemade sauce. And we, my dad would get a stick, and they they put a rag around it, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> and everybody made their own brick grill in the backyard. I don't know if you did that in Texas. You probably have no. those smokers, don't you? Let
0: me let me tell you what my dad did when I was a kid. He took this old upright freezer, gutted it out, and made a smoker out of that. And he would yeah. hang racks of ribs, sticks of baloney. I mean, all kinds of stuff. There. <laughs> it was greatness. Okay
1: what does this mean i'm gonna have to get real skinny big skinny before i come and see you or it's gonna be skinny no biz skinny no more
0: skinny yeah big no more. big skinny was my radio. big skinny was my radio name that was what they called me when i was in radio that was uh just my little moniker and it's So uh, okay. well,
1: i'm just, about
0: i'm about six foot four and about three hundred and fifteen pounds so not a small guy
1: oh well hey that's nice and cuddly I said that okay
0: so (laughs) this is big skinny you've been listening to the pod presents casual conversations with big skinny until next time stay safe stay healthy hey we'll see you